It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 461 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, February 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy Basketball going strong. We've got Locked On NBA. And this coming Thursday, for the trade deadline in the afternoon, we're going to have a live show, I believe starting at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, with Josh Lloyd on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball YouTube page. We're going to be hosting a live Locked On show all day long with hosts from across the network calling in, Skyping in when things going down. Things are going down. We're going to have Jake Madison from the Pelican side of things on there scheduled it already. We've got all of the sort of... Big players before the deadline, all of their corresponding locked-on hosts are going to be on the show in the lead-up to the deadline, and then everyone else, after all the hell breaks loose, will be calling in afterwards to break down what happened with their team. So it should be a ton of fun, so make sure you're checking it out of the Locked On podcast, Locked On Fantasy YouTube page tomorrow afternoon starting at 1 o'clock. Uh, also, if you find a show in the network that you want to subscribe to, rate, and review, please do it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. It's super-duper helpful for algorithms and rankings and stroking of egos and all that good stuff, and I appreciate anyone who has taken the time. Also, thanks to anyone who came out to the live podcast last night. That was a lot of fun at Odds Bar in Hamilton. Uh, The audio for that is a little questionable, and I might not post it, um, but we'll touch on some of the stuff from that one last night uh, in today's podcast. And in the meantime, I just want to thank Kelsey O'Brien and Katrina Squazin for joining me on the live show. It was awesome. Ah, That was a terrifying autoplay ad. I don't want little teapots. Anyway, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who came up for the live podcast last night. It was great. And uh, let's get to today's show because we have a shit ton of stuff to get to. And joining me to sort through all of it is our pal Vivek. Jacob, what's going on, buddy? A whole lot in the NBA. Yeah. But, uh, apparently, you just can't sleep ever. Uh, <laughs> for some reason. I, I, don't know how, I, I don't know how Woj does his job. Yeah, he, like, like, does not sleep. It's like him and Blake Murphy is the all-time leaders in no sleep. (laughs) I had this weird thing this morning where I went to bed at, like, midnight, and usually I'll sleep till I didn't have to be up for anything in particular this morning, so I figured I'd sleep till, like, 7 or whatever. Um, But I had this, like, weird inkling to wake up at, like, 5.20, and then, boom, I'm reading a trade that's, like, a couple hours old that broke, uh, I guess, like, midnight Pacific time-ish. And I'm uh, I'm just freaking out from that, and I don't get back to sleep really because you know I'm just reading the tweets because my brain is poisoned at this point. This time of year is uh, rough for the eyes and the data plan and all that stuff. But uh, we're gonna get to the Tobias Harris trade in just a sec. But first, we should probably talk about the team that the Raptors beat last night that no longer really exists as that form of the team, uh, as they've chipped out most of their shitty depth for uh, other guys to come in and take spots. Uh, the Raptors beat the Sixers last night, 119-107, in a game that I think kind of 
you know, sufficiently prove the Raptors against that version of the Sixers at least uh, were pretty superior, and it was kind of the matchup that I have circled as the one I would like to see at some point in the playoffs, and that still may be true. We'll talk about the Tobias Harris trade in just a sec, but Vivek, what was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors' win over the Sixers last night? My biggest takeaway was Kyle Lowry playing like Kawhi Leonard wasn't there. Yeah. Um, this is sort of what we've been asking for for the past, you know, month or so, where um, we've seen Kyle Lowry without Kawhi, we've seen uh, Kyle Lowry with Kawhi, and we've wondered where the aggressiveness goes, where the assertiveness goes, getting to the rack, taking his shots when they're there. And he did all of that in the first quarter, um, which I think helped lead the Raptors to, you know, that 40 points in the first quarter, 72 points season high in the first half. And I think that carried over I, I thought we didn't see as many of the Kawhi isos that we're used to mm-hmm. um and I thought, I thought it helped the flow of the offense tremendously um so that was my biggest takeaway yeah I thought it looked really crisp and clean as well um it was uh really nice to see Kyle being so aggressive and just you know being happy to jack up his shot which again has not been a thing we've seen all that often and Kawhi in this one was bizarre it was a strange Kawhi game he had 24 points on 3 of 11 shooting 16 of 17 from the line uh, the officiating in this game is a different conversation. And, oh, my God, the fouls, it was just absurd back and forth. Just so many fouls either way, ticky-tack stuff. Um, and I understand why both sides were kind of uh, upset by it near the end of the game. Um, but, like, it, late in the game, it felt like Kawhi was kind of reverting back to the stuff we don't like to see. And it almost felt Damari in that, like, he was kind of just, like, was probing for 30 seconds to try to find his own stuff. And right. it wasn't working, and you know he ended up getting bailed out by calls and stuff like that. But before that, I thought everything looked really crisp, and I thought, yeah, you're totally yeah. right. Kyle Lowry, when he plays like that, like it just changes how you feel about the Raptors. Everyone's been kind of like in the dumps about this team for the last couple weeks, and when Kyle Lowry has a game like that and shows that he's still very much capable of being Kyle Lowry, capital K, capital L, with an O and an E at the end as well, like he is... You know, it just changes the ceiling of the team. It changes how you think about this team. It changes everything. And I think it's very encouraging that we saw that last night, especially considering he was doubtful the day before going in. He, uh, I guess, bristled at the idea that he was doubtful and said he was always going to play, which is nice to see. And he looked fresh. He looked... There's just, I think, a thing with him... I don't know what it is. It's just like he seems more upright when he's playing well. And he's just kind of like, he's not hunched or anything. Maybe it is a body language thing. I don't really know what it is. Or maybe it's just that his back wasn't hurting. And so he was able to stand up straight. I don't know. But he did seem just like, uh, this is probably just like very dumb observational stuff. But I, I think he looks, uh, he looked really good in that game. And uh, that's really encouraging to see. Building off of the Clippers game where I thought there were some nice signs too. Uh, the Raptors seem to kind of be getting back on track here after a little bit of a rough go. Uh, what else happened in this game? Serge Ibaka was really good again. He had uh, 20 points on 10 of 15, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 5th straight double-double, team high, plus 24. And this is in a matchup that against Joel Embiid, you know, you'd kind of expect that he would get beaten up a little bit. That wasn't the case. Embiid still got his, obviously. He had 37 on 10 of 20. But uh, I thought Ibaka, playing with 5 fouls for much of the 4th quarter as well, maybe probably should have gotten called for a 6-1 at some point there on Embiid on one drive that looked like a definite foul but was not. Um, you know, I thought Ibaka was really, really nice, and it kind of, uh, it doesn't make it like that. I don't, I'm not saying that I don't want Jonas back. Obviously, you want Jonas back, but I guess if, if the absence for Jonas was going to be more prolonged, maybe this game would be sort of a, a way to sort of silver line that prolonged absence, but we don't have to deal with that problem because Jonas is coming back. Uh, your thoughts on Ibaka's play? Any other sort of notes from this game for you? 
Uh, I thought Ibaka was great, and I think, again, that sort of stems from Kyle Lowry when he's playing that aggressive style of basketball. Ibaka becomes that much more of a threat on the pick and roll, right? Um, And I thought that, uh, again, Ibaka was able to take his opportunities. I thought um, there was a real focus on him uh, playing on the inside, um, and I thought he he causes problems with his length. Um, It's interesting. I was talking to Rex Kalamian the other day. Uh, when the Clippers were in town, and he was just talking about you know how much stronger Ibaka has gotten while maintaining uh, sort of his timing for mm-hmm. blocks and just his his touch around the basket. Um, so again, I thought his touch around the basket was really good in this one. He had a couple of uh, hook shots where I thought you know they were contested really well, but you know I, th- I think when he raises up uh, with his length. Um, he just has the confidence that no one's going to be able to block it. So, um, and I think uh, the foul trouble, I think, was a bit silly at, at, in the third quarter when he picked up the fourth and fifth back to back. I I know it's really tough there. Where with the fourth, you you still don't want to go to Monroe. Um, but I thought as soon as that fourth happened, he should have been out, out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I felt the Raptors had enough of a cushion uh, at that point where you could maybe uh, deal with some Monroe minutes. Uh, but I, I, I guess it all worked out in the end. I thought Monroe um, did what he could and, you know, held the Raptors on the offensive glass. That was probably a big advantage as well. Um, look, you know, yeah, 15 offensive boards, uh, five of them for Monroe. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, that's about as good as you can ask for from Monroe, even though Embiid sort of went off and uh, <laughs> but he, I, I don't think there's any stopping that really uh, when, when he gets going like that when he's got that jumper um, and is able to pull up like that there's, there's nothing you can really do about that yeah, honestly, I thought a lot of the shots they were forcing Embiid into were kind of ones that you're okay with, right? If he's going to take seven threes in a game I'm going to be fine with that as opposed to him just bullying dudes and walking into buckets um, and there was a couple times where Embiid kind of made it more difficult on himself than he had to. Like, I think there was one possession where Monroe was on him, and, like, Embiid pretty clearly could have blown by him because it's Greg Monroe, and he had momentum from the top of the yeah. key. Um, instead, just pulled up for, like, an 18-footer, and it bricked, and it was like, huh, weird. And that's kind of the the one drawback of Embiid, I guess, and there aren't many because he's amazing, but he does kind of get a little bit, uh, I don't know, like kind of like... He's sort of sometimes a sink for the offense a little bit, um, and when things aren't going well for him, it can be a bit of a drain. But uh, other, other other than that, like it's hard to really talk about this game in, in like in a matchup sense because things are just so different now. Twelve hours later, that we should probably get to the trade that has now changed the sort of. Uh, the complexion of the Sixers and how they might match up with the Raptors or any other number of Eastern Conference teams. Uh, so let's get to that now. Over the uh-huh. night, the Sixers traded. Uh, oh my God, what's that trade? There's so many dudes in this trade. Landry Shamit, Will, Mike Muscala, Wilson Chandler, their unprotected Heat pick in 2021, and then their own first round pick. I think protected in 2022, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and in return, they get uh, Mike. 2020. 2020. Okay, that's right. Yeah. And in yeah. return, they get Mike Scott, Bobar Marjanovic. They also traded. Sorry. Yeah. They also traded uh, um, two second rounders. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, lots of stuff in this trade. Enormous trade to wake up to at 5 a.m., which is like my brain melting. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, you have that. You have um, going the other way, Mike Scott, Boban, and Tobias Harris. 
this is a doozy, man. <laughs> I don't. I have thoughts. I think it's there. There are kind of two prongs of how this relates to the Raptors. Let's address the Sixers side of things first because we're kind of talking about that, and then we can get to the uh, Kawhi paranoia from the Clippers side of things in a little bit. But uh, as far as the Sixers go, what do you think of this trade for them? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think it's an important upgrade, uh, and he fits into the mold of exactly what they're trying to build. You know, just a bunch of uh, long, athletic guys, uh, two-way guys that can defend most positions. And you know, he's improved his three-point shooting a ton. I thought that was missing for the Sixers in the last game, especially considering JJ Redick was out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's another scoring option now. The question becomes, you know, how can they all fit in together? Because, you know, we already saw those little issues with Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid complaining about the offense. So now, you know, how is Tobias Harris going to fit into all that? Um, It it is a panic move, in my opinion. I I think uh, they they probably felt themselves that they weren't even really that close to being a top three team in the East. you know, you look at what the Bucks, Raptors, and Celtics have done. Um, I think the Sixers have fallen off, and so I think they needed uh, something like this. I don't know if uh, 20-ish games is going to be enough uh, to get it all together mm-hmm. and fit all these guys together, but um, it definitely sets them up for uh, next season and beyond if they're able to re-sign everyone. Yeah, I think I'm less in on the trade than it sounds like you are. I think this is kind of dumb from Philly for a few reasons. Number one, like Tobias Harris undoubtedly is a very good player and is an upgrade on Wilson Chandler, Landry Shamit, Mike Muscala, uh, just in terms of talent. But I do wonder if they're really going to be able to milk as much out of Tobias Harris as, say, the Clippers did when he was their number one option and he was able to kind of put up a high usage rate and add value with his scoring on this Sixers team, I just kind of think he's going to be stuck in a corner and not really able to do anything. And then, I guess he's a very good shooter, but it just kind of seems to me like diminishing returns to add him to the starting five, especially with Redick out there. Redick's so important to them that, like, Harris, I think, is quite obviously the number five option in the hierarchy in that starting five for Philly. And yes, they'll be able to stagger lineups. They're going to have to stagger lineups because they have no bench anymore. It's like Mike Scott, TJ McConnell, and Boban. And I'm sorry. I'm going to get flayed by NBA Twitter for this. Boban is great. He's great fun. I'm glad he's going to be in a movie. He's a gimmicky player who there's a reason he can't play more than like 15 minutes a game. And there's a, like, I just don't see him being a useful piece in the playoffs. I think he's very easy to exploit. Greg Monroe was cooking his ass on Sunday. Like that is an indictment to me of your ability as a defender. And as great and fun as he is, I'm glad Bobby and Toby are sticking together. I don't think that's like a meaningful piece for the Sixers in terms of the rotation when it gets down to it in the playoffs. So like they're really, really thin. And I just I'm not sure Harris is going to bring the same value to the Sixers that he did to the Clippers or any number of teams he's been on in the past. Right. And it's so bizarre that he's been traded so many times. Um, That's another thing about this, too, is like Harris. I wonder if there's anything there where people like are so like easy to give up on him or if he's just so attractive to teams that he is like a, a mandatory throw down deals. I don't know what it is. But um, so there's that. They're just like the fact that he's not really a like you're not going to get the same out of him that the, that the Clippers did. That's number one. Number two is that like that, that's Before a you lot. Go to number two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of breaking news. What's that? Uh, the Bucks have acquired Stanley Johnson from the Pistons for Thon Macaire. Huh. 
Interesting. Yeah. I don't think that matters at all to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't think that matters. <laughs> Thon will not but, play I mean, that's behind. Long athletic guy that uh, you know. I, I mean, honestly, I thought uh, uh, I thought Stanley Johnson defended Kawhi pretty well um, mm. in that Pistons game uh, in Toronto. So that's just another option for them to throw at him if they were to meet uh, in the playoffs, right? Yeah, I'm a Stanley Johnson guy. I've always believed, but uh, ugh, he's bad. <laughs> he's, uh, I mean, when when you're not like now on this Bucks team, you're not really asking him to do anything offensively, right? That's true. You're just asking, you're just asking him to you know give 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 everything he has defensively. You know, mm-hmm. pick up that Kawhi matchup from t- time to time potentially, um, and you know guard other lengthy uh, wing guys, and then the offense like. There's not much that's going to be flowing through him. So, it, yeah. you know, the Pistons, on the other hand, you know, outside of uh, Blake Griffin, they were just taking whatever they could from anyone, right? So mm-hmm. I think this is a situation that could suit him. And, yeah, you know, I mean... I, I think this is more the type of move that I would expect from someone that is a contender, right? That low-key move that could sort of uh, just help you with your playoff rotations a bit. Yeah, it's certainly worth the gamble. Um, if you're a Raptors fan and you're looking at the playoff standings, uh, oh boy, Thon in the first round. <laughs> I guess that becomes a possibility. Uh, yeah, Stanley Johnson's a good defender, and he will be asked to do less, and he will probably just be taking and shooting open corner threes or whatever. Uh, but he's a career 29% three-point shooter, and I don't know if just playing for the Bucks will change that. Um, so that might be a guy that is nice to have, but ultimately they're not playing in the postseason because that's a guy that no one will ever, ever, ever guard. And I don't know if you want to sort of stake your entire, the health of your offense on having Stanley Johnson out there, but worth the gamble for Milwaukee. Um, but I think less significant than the Tobias Harris trade. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. So back to the Toby trade. Uh, the other reason that I think this is dumb for Philly is that, uh, that's a lot to give up for a guy who may not stay, and if he has designs on being more than a fourth or fifth fifth option, like I would say it's maybe likely that he doesn't stay. Um, I, I guess it's a nice backup in case Jimmy Butler leaves because he seems pretty flighty, and maybe he's going to leave anyway because it's been kind of rocky there, so it's some insurance. Um, but like, I, I just giving up that heat pick seems like quite a bit, and I just don't know why the Sixers seem to like they're, they have to like rush this. It's like going anti-process, right? Like I think Sam Hinkie probably hates this trade a lot. <laughs> and I'm not like a Hinkie guy by any means. I think he, you know, doesn't maybe get the criticism he deserves for building up a you know culture of being completely shitty for four years. But I do think like the like that's the fast forwarding this like 24 year old MB, 22 year old Simmons, where the rest of the roster is not quite there to compete just yet. Like Zaire Smith's not even playing. Like it just. It feels a little premature to me, and then I wonder if in two years the Sixers are looking at this and saying, hey, we uh, kind of prematurely busted the load on this thing and are uh, like, are just sitting there like, man, we, we really kind of went too far in way too early. Because like, I don't think this trade makes them any more of a favorite in the East. Like, I still think I'd put them below the top three right now. Their matchup issues against the Raptors in particular still exist because Jonas is there uh, to sort of be the foil for Joel Embiid. He's always kind of been. You have Kawhi pestering and making uh, Ben Simmons into a husk of himself whenever he's guarding him and completely cutting their offense off at the head. Like, the issues are still there, very much there for the Sixers against Toronto in particular. I don't know. Like, where do you think this puts 
Philly? Does it change how you feel about them as like a contender in the East? Or is it just, you know, it's a nice change that maybe gives them a better shot to beat a Milwaukee or Toronto in round two or Boston or whoever it is. But ultimately, it's still going to have them come short. Again, I do feel like this is a move that I think they'll be better for in 2019-20 if they can bring these guys back. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to um, these final 20-ish games. And the other thing I would add to that is I think um, they must have some confidence in who uh, in some guys that they might be able to bring in through the buyout market. Yeah. I don't think you can afford to go this thin uh, without having maybe a couple of things in place for the buyout uh, market. So uh, I would wait to see what happens there. You know, if they get Wesley Matthews and maybe... Uh, say, a, a Jeremy Lin or whoever it might be, right? Um, then I think that does change the dynamic completely. Um, and, yeah, if those things were to happen and we see a few games where they're starting to find a flow, uh, then I would put them right there with, uh, you know, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Bucks. Yeah. But, again, it, with a trade like this, it very much remains to be seen because there is uh, a lot to be shown for in terms of chemistry and flow yeah for sure um i guess cory brewer's coming back that'll add to their bench too which what a weird sentence in 2019 <laughs> but ultimately yeah i don't know if this entirely scares me if i'm a raptors fan also it's probably not all that likely you'll play the sixers until a conference finals if you're looking at how the bracket's going to shake out it's kind of looking like the raptors and celtics would be that second round matchup if the bracket sticks as it is right now um, right. And, you know, the Raptors now, like, they're not going to fall below Philly, it seems. They're four games up in the loss column with uh, the tiebreaker as well. So, um, mm-hmm. like, I just, this might not ultimately matter for the Raptors' purposes from the Sixers' side of things. However, for the, the Clippers' side of things, uh, oh boy, this gets a little, a little trickier. Uh, we're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to remind people to check out the Locked On Podcast Network on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On NBA Net and at Locked On NFL Net uh, on both. Uh, platforms. If you are following on Twitter, it is a great resource. All of the breaking news, reactions, the live, po- the fresh podcast, everything from every host on the network is just being retweeted by that feed. You don't got to go follow every single one of the hosts. You just get that one feed and everything's right there for you. And then on Instagram, little 30 to 60 second clips of the biggest stories of the day with video added as well. Livens up your feed. If you don't want to listen to the whole podcast, you get the condensed take right there. And that's at Locked on NBA Net and at Locked on NFL Net on Twitter and Instagram. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get to the Clippers ramifications for this. So there is, I guess, some alarmism going on (laughs) among Raptors fans about this deal and how it sort of signals more so that the Clippers were going after Kawhi. I'm not sure much more could signal they were going after Kawhi than like Steve Ballmer being at the Raptors game on, on, on Sunday or like everything they've seemed to have been doing about planning for this summer and opening up cap space. Like the, I guess Ryan Wolstad tweeted this 
he sort of said like you know th- this kind of takes away any sort of incentive that the, the Clippers might have to be loyal to Tobias Harris or whatever. I feel like if they had a promise from Kawhi plus another start they were coming, they would renounce Tobias like that, and it wouldn't matter. Um, that was a really bad snap. Right. I'm not good at snapping. Anyway, <laughs> I'm like I uh, I think yeah like I don't think the Tobias Harris angle really matters all that much here. It does signal though. That yeah, they're they're very much more all in on the on the superstar thing than you know we've we've known this all along. It doesn't change anything. I guess what it does change is that it makes them more of a player. If they really wanted to throw some Godfather offer at the Pelicans, they could throw together like Shea, some contracts, and that first round pick from the Heat, and maybe that Sixers pick as well, and maybe that entices the Clippers to trade them Anthony Davis. And I don't know if that list that Anthony Davis gave out with the with the Clippers on it is actually real. It maybe kind of seems like some Rich Paul clutch sports posturing to make it seem like Tam. Tampering isn't quite going on uh, with the Lakers, but that is certainly uh, a thing to keep in mind. Like, I can't imagine if LeBron is so hell-bent on having Anthony Davis on the Lakers as it seems he is, I can't imagine he'd be cool with him going to the Clippers. You know what I mean? Like, that feels like a bit of a weird uh, report that came out. But if the Clippers feel like they can re-sign him and then use him as a, 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 a guy to woo another star like Kawhi, then maybe that makes them more dangerous here. Uh, how do you perceive this whole thing? Like, does it change how you feel about Rap- the Raptors and Kawhi and their chances or anything like that uh, with this trade going down? No, I didn't really look at it as that. I just yeah. think the Clippers have accepted that at this point of the season, they would rather make sure that they get the first-round pick that they would have otherwise lost if they made the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that was more of the motivation in this deal. And... Uh, acquiring some future assets that, again, sure, uh, potentially you can look at, uh, think of, you know, this uh, signing and trading and all that. But, uh, again, the Raptors have said all along we're going to be who we are. You can't really control what other teams do. I think the Raptors have done everything in their power to make the best impression possible on Kawhi. Mm -hmm. Um, At this point, I would expect uh, Kawhi to take a meeting with the Raptors in the summer to at least hear Masai's case uh, and Bobby Webster's and sort of figure out what's best for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, a lot of that hinges on what the Raptors do in the postseason. If if uh, if the Raptors were to get to the East Finals and win the East Finals, um, I think the Raptors have a pretty decent shot at bringing him back. Um, if anything, for sort of those one-plus-one deals that LeBron did in Cleveland, uh, where then you get him to align with Lowry and Ibaka and then sort of go from there. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't... I, I'm not too concerned about what these other teams do. If every, everyone's going to sort of uh, stack up for this 2019 free agency because 2020, frankly, doesn't really have as much of an appeal, right? Mm. So, um, I, again, I, I don't think there's much the Raptors can do about what other teams are trying <laughs> to do. I think the Raptors are doing everything they can and that's all that they can concern themselves with. Yeah, I guess if anything, it maybe incentivizes the Raptors a little bit more if there is a move to be made to kind of go a little bit more all-in, even though they pretty much are entirely all-in on this season, considering their moves and their precariousness going into the offseason. Maybe it inspires them to go make that deal just to sort of give them a better shot of achieving their ceiling and giving the best pitch to Kawhi. But yeah, I don't think this changes anything. The Clippers were going after Kawhi anyway. Um, that just seemed to be the sentiment this morning that like, oh, it's just, it's, it's more so on than it ever was before. Like, no, it's always been on like Donkey Kong from the Clippers perception of things. So, um, I, yeah, this doesn't change that all that much for me. 
if they trade for Davis, then yeah, that changes things significantly because that feels like a foregone conclusion then that they'll get another star and perhaps Kawhi is that guy. Um, I just, there's so many teams now that seem to be posturing themselves for this offseason that someone is going to get left out. Whether it's the Lakers or the Knicks or the Clippers or the Nets, like all these teams seem to be thinking, yeah, we're going to get a star and uh, one of them's going to get Chris Middleton and nothing else. (laughs) It's... uh, So yeah. maybe the Clippers are that team. And uh, yeah, I think the Raptors are in a pretty good spot. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. On the other side, we're going to talk about trade rumors, baby. Love those trade rumors that came out yesterday. We talked about them on the live podcast a little bit yesterday. But again, that podcast is a little, uh, the, the audio is not very good. So it's not going to hear the light of day um, or see the light of day, whatever podcasts do. Um, but we're going to take a quick break and come back on the other side to break that all down. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're back. Time to get into some rampant speculation. Yesterday, a rumor dropped. The Raptors apparently were in conversations with the Memphis Grizzlies about a trade. Jonas Valanciunas and Kyle Lowry for Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley was the framework. Um, I have so many thoughts on this. Vivek, do you have thoughts on this? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, Please do share, because I have a million, but I'll wait till all of you talk first. It just didn't make any kind of sense to me, because you, again, I'm, I'm kind of against these uh, major trade deadline moves, because you shake things up so much where you're now asking a team within 20-ish games to figure it out, and in mm-hmm. this case, you would have been giving away your two longest tenured guys. Uh, for a 34-year-old Marcus Gasol and a 31-year-old Mike Conley who's had his own injury issues uh, to come play with Kawhi for the first time in their lives and figure it out in 20-ish games and you, and you still expect the ceiling to be higher or just as high as what you have right now. I, I, I didn't really buy it. I, 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 I mean, I found it strange that ESPN even confirmed that uh, those talks did happen. Um, don't really get uh, yeah I, I, I just didn't get it yeah i think for me a if the raptors were the ones that approached the the grizzlies about this and were and it was allowed to leak out uh that's bad sort of malpractice on their part because that's a uh not exactly the missile you want to be dropping into the raptors locker room ahead of the deadline in case it doesn't happen uh the way i read all of the things there was the jake fisher report initially then michael grange kind of clarified and the way grange put it out made a lot more sense to me that yeah. this sounds like and considering the team that's involved, first of all, everyone got to keep in mind like who benefits most from a leak, and the Raptors certainly would not benefit most from that leak happening, um, and, and the Memphis Grizzlies. In theory, for me at least, I read it as them trying to drive up the price for Mike Conley for a team like Utah or Detroit that's trying to sort of you know get into that sweepstakes or whatever. Um, it just it makes more sense to me as gr- the Grizzlies calling up the Raptors and saying, "Hey, we have Conley and Gasol." 
want to swap Kyle and Jonas because Jonas is younger, whatever, and then maybe you guys throw in OG, as was mentioned. DeLon the first was also mentioned in there at some point in one of the rumors, one of the reports. Um, that makes more sense as the Grizzlies would call up and say that, and then the Grizzlies leak that information as if they're talking with the Raptors, as opposed to the Raptors approaching the Grizzlies and then leaking it, and then like them just having Kyle and, and, and Jonas find out from the internet. It sounds more to me like the Memphis Grizzlies would have approached the Raptors. The Raptors would have said, hey, Kyle, they called about this, just so you know. It's probably going to leak at some point. Just nothing's going on here. Don't worry about it. That seems far more likely to me. Um, and just the trade itself, I don't think makes a lot of sense. For the chemistry reasons you said, for the lack of flexibility it would provide the Raptors going forward as well, um, the nice thing about having Kyle and Ibaka going into next year, and Jonas if he opts in, which I think he will probably, going into next year, is if Kawhi walks this summer, you can use those guys as expirings to get off money and sort of move forward. Conley doesn't give you that that that, that flexibility because he's on for a couple more years beyond this, I believe. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just, I... It never passed the smell test for me, and I don't think it makes sense as a trade, especially if the Raptors are giving up other stuff in order to make it happen. Um, so I would probably file that one under just like regular run-of-the-mill trade deadline nonsense not coming from the Raptors' mouths. Um, any other thoughts on this before we move on to our own speculation? <laughs> um, no, not really. I think we've covered everything there. Yeah. Uh, I... Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. If, if anything, it was probably a Grizzlies leak. Um, I, I did think that Grange tweet made a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, it feels like, okay, the Grizzlies are shitty at this, man. Like, they have no idea. They couldn't even decipher which Brooks they were sending out in a trade. Um, I, I just, I can't imagine them handling this gracefully, and that's why this feels so sloppy, because it just feels like a Grizzlies type of thing, because they run horribly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that... Yeah. So. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into a couple of the things. It's the last day before the deadline. I'm not sure we'll get a podcast in before 3 o'clock tomorrow. I can't imagine we would. Why would we? Things might change drastically by then. So this is our last podcast before the deadline actually passes at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, is there anyone you have an eye on, Vivek, that you're looking at as like someone you'd hope the Raptors would target in the final hours before the deadline? Does the Sixers trade think, you know, maybe they should be more urgent? Like, wh- where are you at and do you have any particular names you have circled? Um, so I actually uh, I'm hoping Masai doesn't get too reactionary to this Tobias Harris move. Yeah. Um, I think right now what we've been waiting for all season is for uh, this team to be healthy, and it looks like they're finally getting there. Mm-hmm. So I think to throw another spanner into the works uh, would not be ideal. I think um, I, my preference is to wait for the buyout market uh, and see what you can get there. Um, again, I don't know if there are any sort of, uh, clamps in place from Masai in terms of what he's allowed to do with the Raptors already so far, uh, deep into the luxury tax. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, my preference is to not sort of give up future assets, uh, at this point, uh, in terms of shaking things up massively. Um, if there are subtle moves sort of along the lines of what the Bucks just did with that Stanley Johnson for... Uh, Thon McCare, where you know maybe you're able to get rid of uh, a non-playoff rotation piece, like maybe a CJ Miles, or uh, you know, I should pretty much just CJ Miles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, CJ. Poor CJ. Um, yeah, uh, f- 
for, for someone else uh, than uh, for someone that you feel can help the team, uh, then I feel like that's the type of move that I would be inclined to make. Uh, but I'm not looking for anything major. Fair enough. I Yeah, I might have... I was going through it this morning a little bit, just like, it's nice to talk it out and sort of feel less anxious about everything. <laughs> but I was going through it a little bit and just kind of going through the trade machine. First of all, there are not that many trades that make sense for the Raptors just like money-wise and, you know, level of player-wise. Because like a marginal upgrade I don't think is really doing much for this team. Like they are going to go as Kyle and Kawhi go and I guess Siakam and Ibaka and Green as well. Like that starting five is pretty much going to determine how this team goes. And no bench piece, however useful is really going to change that. If Kyle's not playing like he did last night, then they're kind of screwed. Um, so I think it's like a sort of a sweet spot of player. Obviously, if there's any way to you know swing some trade for a star, I think you should do it, whether it's Anthony Davis, if you can fleece the, the Wizards out of Bradley Beal, which is not going to happen. Like, that's the kind of thing I'd do for sure. Um, other than that, it would have to be like a slightly above marginal upgrade, I guess is the way I'd put it, and just sort of something that balances the roster a little bit, maybe makes your bench a bit more potent uh, or significantly more potent. So there's three guys I've circled as potential names that interest me. Um, first of all, the Pelicans have made Miritich and Randall available. I think it's worth at least like giving a call and seeing what you could do. Like I was working around the trade machine because I'm a garbage person today. I hate the trade machine so much, dude. I hate it. Um, but I was I was in there today. And uh, I came up with like a, hey, Fred Van Vliet for Julius Randle works straight up. Uh, and then like Van Vliet plus Malachi Richardson or whatever other salary filler works for Miritich. Um, and I'm not sure what other picks would have to be thrown in there, second rounders, blah, blah, blah. But like those would be, I think, nice upgrades because it would add another big man to the mix. You could have those guys kind of be the linchpin to the bench unit and you could have Siakam play with the starters as well and kind of keep that flowing the way it has. Or you could switch it around and start Miritich at the four and have Siakam go take over the bench and kind of be the uh, the ringleader there. Um, so those guys kind of stand out to me. Also, Torian Prince, this probably is more in the line of the Thon McCare trade because like kind of a guy who is just kind of losing favor, I think, in Atlanta for whatever reason. I don't know why. He's really good and was like their best player last season. Um, but it seems like he's maybe not on the top of... Uh, Lloyd Pierce's you know list of guys he trusts or whatever, but he's pretty good man, and he's six foot eight, and he's you know he he seems like a nice little piece, and he only makes two and a half million bucks, so the money wouldn't be particularly hard if you were able to throw like Delon Wright and like a second rounder their way, maybe you can sell them on Delon being a you know a nice little guy to play as a backup to Trey Young to sort of change the pace or play him with Trey Young at times to offset the defensive issues that Trey Young might have sometimes. Like, maybe that's a deal you could sell the Hawks on, uh, even with Wright's pending RFA status. But I think I agree with you. It doesn't have to be anything huge or serious. Prince just stands out to me as a guy who's kind of being undervalued by the team he's on right now, and maybe a change of scenery would be okay. Um, thoughts on any of those three guys? Is there anyone else that you kind of are uh, is tickling your fancy? Yeah, I think those are intriguing. I'm not... I'm not uh huge on Randall because I, I do think he sort of can clog up the offense yeah true um uh so I, I'm not huge on that but I, I can definitely see the case for uh, Torian Prince um and the one thing I'll add I mentioned this on the Yahoo Sports Raptors Republic very good by the way show. watch those they fucking rule thank you man appreciate that uh um yeah the one thing I mentioned if someone were to tell me that the Raptors were in talks with the Memphis Grizzlies, I would have assumed it would be for someone like a Jermichael Green mm. or even a Garrett Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, I think that's along the same lines of 
what you're thinking. I think ideally that's the type of move that we both want to make. You know, just someone uh, that can fit into those playoff rotation, give you, you know, would be comfortable in the playoff setting um, and give you some decent minutes, not hurt you, and you know, not not be a net negative. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think I, I think the other thing I think about is you look at the way. Uh, this season has gone. It's pretty much been the opposite of seasons past, mm-hmm. where you know the Raptors usually peak in December and January, and that hasn't been the case this time. Um, and maybe that's the sign of uh, things uh, changing in the postseason as well. So um, I, I'm pretty happy with the team that is. I think it's important right now, even though the Raptors have had this difficult stretch. If Kyle Lowry can keep playing uh, the way he did against the Sixers last night, um, then. You, and, and with Jonas Valanciunas coming back, obviously, you, you we're probably more likely to see the team that started out, you know, twenty and four uh, than we did uh, that we've seen sort of the near five hundred stretch over the past month or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think they are closer to the team they were at the start of the year than they have been over the last two months, where they've had you know dueling absences from Kawhi and Kyle, and Jonas was out the whole time. Um, it has not been ideal. And I think it's kind of unfortunate that the timing of the trade deadline lines up with Jonas coming back because it would have been nice to get at least a couple weeks of runway with Jonas playing to see if actually, you know, they were able to kind of reestablish themselves as the team they were early in the season. But, you know, it's uh, you can't work around that. It's just how it is. And I I, I trust enough that Masai and Bobby aren't going to be rash. I don't think they're going to go make some crazy move and give up like many first rounders, unless it's for Anthony Davis. Um, like, I don't think they're going to go do something crazy just because the Sixers got Tobias Harris. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, I, I still think that's an unlikely playoff matchup. One and two, I just don't know how much it moves the needle for the Sixers this season. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun. Very excited. The deadline is wild, man. It's uh, I, I'm ready for it to be over, I'll be honest. It's, it's exhausting, but it's fun to, to sort of speculate and all that stuff. Um, so we will continue to do that, and I'll have a podcast tomorrow after the deadline is over, breaking down if anything happens for the Raptors. If anything does happen, you'll also be able to hear me on the Locked On Podcast Network's live show on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball YouTube page. Uh, Vivek, do you have anything you want to plug ahead of tomorrow? Um, hey, by all means, please, if you haven't yet, uh, go check out the uh, you know Yahoo Canada Sports and Raptors Republic posts game show where we talked about the trade deadline and whatnot as well um that's on youtube uh and other than that i'll probably have something up looking back on the deadline especially if the raptors do something um and just how the east now shakes out fair enough oh by the way uh, from malika andrews a note Thon McCurr and Giannis Antetokounmpo are close friends. Their lockers are next to each other. After Makers, fifth straight DAP, Giannis says, Thon is a great guy, a great teammate. He wants to help the team, and whenever I come out, sub out, he always talks to me. Uh, just adding fuel to the fire. You know, Thon goes to Detroit, learns all about uh, what Toronto's like from Dwayne Casey, and then eventually both Thon and Giannis play for the Raptors. Thon comes home to play near Orangeville at some point. I don't know. Giannis is coming to the Raptors. It's fine. <laughs> makes total sense what's that i think that makes total sense yeah i mean why not uh the nba is really stupid I, I, there are worse there are crazier things to believe so um yeah all right let's uh 
wrap this thing up. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, every place you get your podcast. It's very, very helpful. And uh, be safe out there. It's really freezing, raining, and disgusting outside. So uh, watch your driving. Don't be an asshole on the roads and all that stuff. Um, I'm not a radio host. You're, you're probably not even like in Toronto listening to this or driving, but whatever. <laughs> Don't be an asshole. It's good life advice to live by. That's going to do it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you on Thursday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.